ladies and gentlemen. This episode of The Tiger Pit is brought to you by Unplugged Essentials. Hemp is at the core of their innovation. However, not all hemp is created equal. Instead of using either isolated CBD or cannabis oil, which are the most popular cannabis-derived products out there on the market, they have infused their soaks with water-soluble hemp-derived phytocannabinoid-rich powder. This way, they make sure that their products take advantage of the several hundred bioactive components present in hemp. They make no compromise in quality whatsoever and ensure each batch is lab-tested and 100% THC free. You can find them on Instagram or Facebook, or you can go to unpluggedfloatessentials.com and get yours today. And if you use the promo code the Tiger Pit, you get additional uh, 10% off your order when you go there. We're also brought to you by Knock My Legends. Knock My Legends celebrates the heroes, legends, and icons of Muay Thai and kickboxing. Their mission is to create art in the form of apparel that honors each fighter's contribution to the sport and the art that we all love. They have a great selection of shirts and other gear and accessories that highlight the greats from the sport from the past all the way up to today. It's great gear if you want to pop a little style while you're training or if you're just a fan of Muay Thai and want to represent the culture. You can go to knockmylegends.com as well as Facebook and Instagram and check out what they have. And when you're ready to buy something, enter the promo code THETIGERPIT for an additional 10% off your purchase. Again, that's knockmylegends.com or knockmylegends on Facebook and Instagram. N-A-K-M-U-A-Y, legends. We are also brought to you by Athlon Rub. Athlon Rub is the next generation in performance and recovery for all sports. It is a new approach on the traditional Thai oil formula, founded on a time-tested formula and enhanced through proven ingredients. Made in an FDA and ISO certified lab in the United States, it's certified and continually tested by Informed Choice to be free of banned substances, performance-enhancing drugs, and cross-contaminants. You can go to athlonrub.com and take a look at all the products that they have available, read testimonials from users, and see what everybody else is saying. And when you get some things in your cart, you get an additional 10% off when you use the promo code THETIGERPIT. We are also brought to you by Diplomatico Rum. Diplomatico is distributed in over 80 countries around the world. It holds the Ron de Venezuela DOC and is recognized as one of the finest rums in the world. They have three different ranges for your tastes, traditional, prestige, and the distillery collection. You can find them online at rondiplomatico.com. That's rondiplomatico.com. To learn more about who they are and find out some of the history behind one of my all-time favorite rums. We are also brought to you by the Stepping Razor Barbershop at 952 Flushing Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. The Stepping Razor leans into the realm of the classic 1940s American barbershop without being stuck in the retro vortex. They specialize in American classic traditional haircut styles and shaves, but they can do a whole lot more. You just got to ask them. Tell them what you want. You can check them out on Instagram at The Stepping Razor Barbershop or you can go to thesteppingrazor.com and book your appointment and get yourself looking good and feeling good. And lastly, we are brought to you by the Dojo NYC at 1082 Cypress Avenue in Ridgewood. The Dojo is a fully equipped martial arts training center specializing in Cobrinha Jiu-Jitsu, traditional Muay Thai and MMA. Whether you want to go and just get a good workout or compete at a high level, it's a great place to train. You can go 
to thedojonyc.com. That's thedojonyc.com. Check out their classes, their instructors and programs, and even sign up for a free trial class if you want to check it out. That's thedojonyc.com online and thedojonyc on Instagram. All right. Our guest on this episode stands at the threshold of where music meets media and technology. His company, Spot Music, has over 80 credits in film, television, and new media, including The Shy, The New Edition Story, The Daily Show, Belly, Brown Sugar, and many more. In 2004, Chris Blackwell tapped him to manage his publishing catalog of over 15,000 songs, including the catalog of Bob Marley. In 2013, he, along with Blackwell, were Grammy nominees for their work on the documentary Marley. He was also co-producer of the documentary Alive Inside, a film exploring the link between music and memory, which won the Audience Award at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival. And he was recently featured in Forbes.com discussing his digital publishing company, Dub Fiction. I can say that I've learned a lot about the inner workings of the music business, having spent some time with him and worked on a couple things together. So, without further ado, please welcome to the Tiger Pit, Mr. Barry Cole. <laughs> Adventures Adventures and animals. Animals. It's a Kvarian and a Polish guy. Okay, we'll start the podcast right here. It's nine o'clock. It's dark enough. I'm putting on my ninja suit. That's the part, right? You gotta get into your head. Now you're struggling with your words. Check the Yelp reviews. I'm sure they have like four. It's amazing. I was trying to get that out, and I had a hard time struggling in my head. They just see something they don't recognize. They check out immediately. I had a point. I had a point. Coming to the stage. I've heard this many times from different sources. You didn't even know me when I was hanging out there. <laughs> this one was going to be the more together one. Tiger Pit. Okay. Yeah. The whole thing. You can have in-laws like the subway system. Because they're completely <laughs> different parts of town. But they're color-coded, so we know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That's funny, man. Yeah, I remember even just like skating, just not even spots, but just like going down the street. Like I remember being like super influenced by like watching like Ray Barbie and like you would just do lines, like just going through the neighborhood and just bust like no complies over everything. Oh like, yeah, like the animal chin videos yes. of like Guerrero going down the streets. Of, yeah, down the hills. And hill just, like growing up in the Midwest, I was just you praying. Yeah. There's a like, place like that. If I had that around <laughs> me, I'd be the best skater in the world. <laughs> I'd be. Good, you know. And I lived around there, and I drive down those streets, and I'm like, "How the, yeah, what, how <laughs> scary, what? Yeah, crazy, man. Yeah, I'd love nothing more than the days of like wearing a Walkman, ripping down the road on my skateboard. Oh hell yeah, man! You know what I'm saying? Like seventh grade, like killing it. Yeah. At least you think you're killing it. Exactly. Skate yeah. school. But you're killing it. You're definitely yeah. skate and destroy. Yeah. Well, you've got your own world. Yeah, you've got your own attitude. Yeah. You've got a credo. You've uh -huh. got a magazine. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got music. A whole culture that went with it. Yeah. And you didn't need an ID. It was just... Yeah, right. you were you yeah. Know, ripping. You had all the energy in the world. Yeah, you had a ride. It was like your first motorcycle. I think of how much energy like street skating actually takes, man. That's... Yeah. To like go far. And you're getting beat up while you're doing that. Yeah. So like landing a wall ride is not mm -hmm. subtle. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah, if I was to go skate like bang. three miles right now, I'd be hurt. Oh, wow. Someone sent me a rough cut of a documentary that's being made, which is kind of the history of the vortex where hip hop and skateboarding met. Oh, oh nice. wow. But it's, it's East Coast based. So it's really interesting because I got here in 1993. Okay. And the documentary ends with Mars closing, which was 92. 
So it's basically from 88 or 87, like, with Harry and Cream yeah, yeah. and... Oh, I heard about this. It was, there, were a lot, there was a lot of footage of Harry Jamar. I, mean, I know that. Shit. Really yeah. amazing. Like, you know, the guy was really dedicated, you could tell, and he was there and he saw something, but he was just documenting it and... You know, all the way through Larry Clark making kids, and this was kind of the documentary around it. And it's just interesting having him interview, you know, people who were in kids, people who knew Harry, people were, who were around. And his claim to fame is that he named Stretch Armstrong because when they opened Mars, they needed a DJ, and they ended up getting okay. this big kid named Adrian Bartos, mm -hmm. which. I still have an Adrian Bartos business card because he used to service me records at the college radio station when he used to work at Big Beat. Oh, so I, I still have that business card. So I guess that was pre-Stretch Armstrong. So I guess somewhere in there, the documentarian, you know, came, brought him into Mars and, you know, dubbed him okay. Stretch Armstrong because Adrian wasn't really going anywhere. And he tells the story about walking by a toy store and seeing the toy. You know, he's like, no, that's it. That, that, that should be your name. I cut his hair. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is <laughs> really funny. That's really dad. Small barbershop. Yeah. So it was interesting growing up on the West Coast and realizing that I I arrived right at the end of that whole explosion. Wow. You know. Okay. So Great time. I had a West Coast kind of mirror mm. of that. You know, it's like. To me, if there were any comparison, like Ron Allen would be our, oh, our Harry, so you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, Ron was just that guy. He was like the glue who like moved between different groups, brought people together. Yeah, yeah. And it was all Shepherd. Yeah, exactly. And it was just interesting with, you know, different music, different bands out there, different brands, just like East Coast and West Coast hip hop. It was just so interesting to see how it evolved out here. Yeah, yeah. And then how that turned into Union and then how Supreme kind of evolved out of that as well. So once again, the culture lives on. Yeah, you don't yeah. really need anything more than true, right? a skateboard and... It is Maybe cool. some fly kicks, but... Yeah, yeah. seriously. Uh, I'm yeah. still trying to get my kids into skating. Yeah? Yeah, man, I'm like a bully with it. What do they do? <laughs> How do they get around? How do they get around? Because, you know, at one point, it just turns out it's yeah, a way to, to get it's around. Like, it's it's like, prerequisite. You're not yeah. getting your next birthday. There's no parties anymore until you skate. <laughs> you arrive. Yeah, my daughter, she, she likes it. She leans towards it, but my son's like, I don't know. Ride my dirt bike. Ride my scooter. When he does a scooter, I'm like... Uh. I get all twist my face up and shit. Hey, I remember seeing a guy at the turf come in on roller skates. And he rolled into the hardest pool to skate there, which was the capsule. Four feet of vert, shaped like a capsule. Once you ended the first transition, you were already, already going there. up the next one. Mm -hmm. So if you pumped like you were on a half pipe, you were done. Whoa. And this dude rolls in on roller skates and is riding at the top. The only person we ever saw do that point was like Jeff Kendall. Blue skates. <laughs> He's killing it on roller skates, man. <laughs> you got the tall socks and shit. I am not kidding. It I was, know. I can see it already. It was he. He came to party, man. Wow. <laughs> it is crazy. Accepted in the community. Mm -hmm. yes. Just like that. Yeah. Only thing he was missing, I think, was a headband. Oh, I pictured, <laughs> I pictured the headband actually. <laughs> Knee pads, elbow yeah. pads. Well, you had to have those. Yeah. 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 Those. So he was. But I'm looking forward to watching that video. I mean, that movie, rather. Yeah. That documentary. 
interesting um, because when you make a documentary like that, it's about a time you want to use the music from the time. Yeah. And so. documentaries traditionally have lower budgets, so like the bigger songs are sometimes out of reach. Right. But luckily, there was such um, an underground scene in New York that there's still enough independent songs yeah, and stuff. labels that you know have stuff that can be licensed and accessed. Yeah. And it's good for all these younger people to see that stuff too, and hear that stuff. You know, it's like going to school. You know, it's like a new download. <laughs> you get caught up. We yeah. also think of like I guess from the like some of the music perspective, Caballero used to have his band, and like I mean those guys never got deals, so that music wasn't ever like out and pushed. Yeah, but yeah. it was still Steve Caballero's band. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. The faction. <laughs> With the Batman logo. I had a fashion t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. The purple script. And yeah, exactly. Transworld Skateboard. Remember they had the ad in the back? They had all the decks and then the backpack ones where it was like, oh, like send us five bucks for a tape. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just the little boxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. I remember when I was super young and I was always getting like every month. Transworld or Thrasher. That was definitely more Thrasher. Yeah, yeah, more Thrasher. But then Transworld had snowboarding. It's true. So, like, you know, there was like a split. It was like, oh, well, wait a minute. Yeah. What I loved about Thrasher is it had all those, like, like a bunch of, like, super DIY ads and shit, you know, that you're like, I could just send a check to this ad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was so crazy. Like, buy this and send $24.99 and mm -hmm. self address, fucking whatever. Yeah, Z boards and pig boards. He used to sell like yeah. blanks. You know, you naked get the boards. Blank. Yeah, naked yeah, boards. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, that was my right? shit back in the naked day. Naked boards. Yeah, they had the deepest concave out of anything, yes. and I used to get the uh, the first Danny Way. Trace it out. Just go home, cut that shit out. <laughs> nice. Like now I'm skating that. Wow, you would actually cut and trace the boards. That's that's yeah. That's, yeah, you can that's pick like, even like that one. You just put it on there. Wow, crazy. Skateboarding. It's done a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It kept us off or on the streets, but in a good yeah. way, maybe. Right, <laughs> yeah. And it's like kung fu, too, you know? Mm -hmm. I always kind of equated it to like a martial art. Skateboarding. See that? Definitely. You know, skateboarding and breakdancing. Focus, yeah. <clears throat> I always like was like, this is like a martial art, man. It's like totally like kung fu in one way. It's some, you know, you have to have discipline. Everybody has a different style, your take on it. When you do your body mechanics, when you're doing tricks, the discipline it takes to land it. Skateboarding was more like Genghis Khan, like rolling in and shooting <laughs> arrows. Just <laughs> <laughs> write that movie, man. <laughs> Genghis Khan and skateboarding. The new superheroes, like again, like a true. reboot, man. Like a. <laughs> They're just they, you know, they start at like a high point on the Great league. Wall and then just, <laughs> and just go down. Just, yeah. They're like those guys in the West Coast, like doing the fast, oh, the yeah. power slides. Oh, oh yeah, the slides. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Power slide. Nice. But just kick try. flip and like you're kicking somebody like in the face like when you're fighting. <laughs> Come on, man. It's like endless CGI shit. How much? How cool would it be if, if they just did new superheroes, or even like just gave them like I don't know, just made them more new, like skateboard superheroes? Yeah, like make some new ones. Keep Dude, the old that, ones too. I like the old ones, but make some new ones. Yeah, well, that, I mean, Forbidden Planet is full of a bunch of folks who would love to be the next superhero. It's the comic book store on Broadway oh, in the city. Oh, yeah. Union Square. Yeah, I mean, I'm amazed at how big the superhero and villain world is, and I've got absolutely no clue who <laughs> yeah. these people I, are. Yeah, like, yeah. Right? I don't. Yeah, it's weird, dynasties. right? Yeah, where did Wakanda... Wakanda's been around for a long time, and there's this whole of them. 
I had absolutely no clue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's and people love that stuff. Know your history. Yeah. People love that stuff. It gives them something to believe in, man. You know, it's like Well, those are essentially the basic human yeah. archetypal stories that yeah. you know. I think you want to be the character. You want to be a person, mm-hmm. you know? The old gods and the new gods. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think all it takes is a compelling script. Someone just turned me on to Rasta Mouse, which Oh I man, I love that. See? <laughs> I'm like, how did I not know about Rasta Mouse? I've been playing what? that shit with my kids since they were super young. Brilliant. Oh man. Yeah, like, <laughs> they love it too. Like I yo, I bought my kids Rasta Mouse the dolls. They have of course they have dolls. But no, it's not, Why not, not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. Not, not a lot. I had to dig for them. See. But I found them and I bought I bought them for my kids for Christmas and they fucking Wow. It's so cool, yeah. man. It's a cool show. The music is cool. Okay. Just like the storylines are cool. They're like super positive, like crew. They skateboard. They have a band. The Easy Crew is the name of the band. Of course. Oh my God, it's the best. And they're always out to save the day, basically, or solve a, like, not a crime, but like solve a problem, mm-hmm. and, but always uplift people's like positive vibe. And uh, they teach a lesson, like a moral lesson. Uh, and then they're just cool, man. They got cool tunes and skating. Why? Why isn't there a grown-up version of this going being jam. shown they're, in movie theaters? Yeah, they always the have thing. to go. Where's the feature? And they yeah, always have yeah. to go jam. Like, always, <laughs> like they always have to say that. There's always like either like we gotta do this, but you know, we gotta but go. We, no, no, but we have to jam. And you're like, oh, that's right, we have to jam, but we gotta save the day still. And they like they go. So it's showing you like instead we ha- we really want to do this, but like well, we have to do the right thing. You know? Okay. It's cool. So yeah, I mean, in terms of superheroes, it's like you know I watch more Rasta Mouse than I have. Captain Planet. Well, Captain Planet was kind of dope, but you know, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. Over, there's certain ones. It's like you don't even really have to have a cape right. as long as the character comes through. And just like you said, it's like we're saving the day, we're uplifting people, we play music, we skateboard. It's mm-hmm. Like that's it. <laughs> what else? Oh, you need? Yeah, <laughs> and it's not broadcast. It's it's web only, isn't it? Yeah, I only watch it on YouTube. Is it from the UK? I remember you showed it to me yeah. once. Great. I've turned on all the all the little kids in my family. I've turned them all onto it. They all watch it. You got to bust out old episodes of Mr. T cartoon then. I've tried. <laughs> the old not... stuff gets lost on it, man. They sometimes they don't care. Yeah. You know what it is? No, that's it's not true. Not like, that's not true because they like either. they like old old stuff like all the Max. Well, that's kind of creepy stuff. But I watched that shit when I was a kid. All the um, Max Fleischer stuff. Oh yeah, the old Looney Tunes. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff, yeah. And like all the like like the Cap Calloway like. You know, when they did uh, his character, like, well, it's not him, but it's like based on him. Oh, like old, like Mel Blanc, Looney Tunes. Yeah, stuff? Max, like, Max Fleischer. It's weird. The yeah. Betty Boop shit. Yeah, it's all like weirdly, like, gets like weird rapey, too. You're like, what the fuck is happening in this episode? Well, the wolf with the yeah, eyeballs. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. It's weird, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah, it's like the classic kind of. But reaction. we watched that shit when we were younger. Yeah. You know, it's strange. Um, but they'll watch some of that stuff sometimes, and sometimes it gets all crazy. I'm like, all right, that's enough for this one. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but they they don't like. I nailed it down. They don't like cartoons that look like realistic. They're trying to look like realistic people, but like eighty style, like mm-hmm. uh, He Man, oh, yeah. uh, GI Joe, like uh, anything that's like a yeah, yeah. Like, like, like a generation, generation like of cartoons. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanna Barbera, maybe. Okay, I think mm, that stuff was yeah. like that, right? They yes. do banana splits. 
Yeah, yeah, but that yeah, was yeah. That, wasn't that like a show? That was a show with like these people like dressed up as like these weird. But then like, there was like, all the cartoons. cartoons. Yeah, it was like five different cartoons ah, right. like that they would like Tom Sawyer and Land of the Lost. Was, yeah, uh, Land of the Lost. It was banana splits. That's what Forbidden Planet was reminding me of. It sounds like it'd be that cartoon, but Land of the Lost. That's the one with the Slee stacks. Slee stacks. <laughs> but they don't like that stuff. I remember getting to an age where I didn't like the new cartoons as much as the old ones. Like, there was something about how they had come up with new technology to yeah. make the animation that just didn't really appeal. It was too glossy and, like, mm-hmm. you know, just it was just different. But That's now, true. kids like Paw Patrol, you know, stuff like that, Blaze yeah. in the Rain. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's like, I don't know what they, but they love yeah, yeah. that you have stuff. Kids? I have a four-year-old godson. Ah, I was gonna say, how are you watching all these? Characters? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I'm up on my animation, son. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so you're in it, man. Yeah, like I know all about all that stuff. Trust me, <laughs> that stuff's great, though. Sometimes you yeah. just get get lost in it, man. Yeah. We had, we did we did one episode. What was I talking about? Uh, Rasta Mouse. No, not Rasta Mouse. Rasta Mouse. <laughs> no, it's um, Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Man, I watched the shit out of that show all the time. All the time. That shit was crazy. It was good. When my niece and goddaughter was that that age, Little Mermaid, man. I know that movie <laughs> in and out. <laughs> You know all the songs. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the songs I know all of it. Yeah. And you know how kids at that age, you're like, you watch it, you're like, you're just lumbering mm-hmm. through like when this scene happens there's 10 minutes left so I know this <laughs> the movie finishes they're like let's watch it again and you're like okay, okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> with her I used to watch Harry and the Hendersons oh I watched and then too. Little Mermaid just Harry and the Hendersons on a rotation man. Wow. that was a long time ago that's when I was in that area it was like my nieces and yeah, yeah okay that's cool <laughs> how about we go outside and run yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go skateboard. <laughs> it's hard to get the kids off the iPads, man. Yeah, it's hard. We're not ready for the technology we have access to. And the scary thing is, there's more technology waiting. <sighs> I know that you know they're waiting to unleash on us, but we can't. Oh, yeah. We clearly can't handle what we've been given <laughs> so far. So yeah. <laughs> adding more to the pile, I'm not sure what that's going to do. Yeah. We were just talking about that earlier. I never really realized just how cyborg-ish people are. You get off the train, the doors open, and people are like, Shh, yeah. I need to be connected back to the and energy, back to the feed. people doing it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I was like, wait till we figure out how to put that shit in our head. <laughs> well, it was kind of like me coming here. I knew that I would go to the Morgan stop, and I knew it was pretty much straight up, but I'd never been here before. So I get out of the train, I open up Google Maps, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just straight. straight but, right. you know. yeah, yeah, but I still I remember when you would just skate somewhere <laughs> where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> I know where that is, so I can ask someone directions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The technology. We were talking about like cell regeneration. Oh, yeah. Like this, like medical sh- medical shit that's gonna happen, not just like technology, technology, but like medical advancement. So yeah, genetic splicing, gene altering, like oh you're sick because you have this thing, we're gonna <clears throat> regenerate you so you're a whole different person that has an immunity to that thing. So crazy. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. You can start getting younger. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have mentally, I think. Yeah, definitely. Just put you in the human hadron collider. And come out <laughs> just smash you like they'll, they'll just make like a, a a mannequin that's you at like 25 
Take it to Sweden. <laughs> Whip it around in that thing like a blender. Wham! Then it's like a big yeah. smash into each other. You're like, it's a weekend trip. You come back, you look like you're 22. People are like, what the hell? You look great. Hey, yeah. Man. Caught up on some well deserved rest. <laughs> this Hadron Collider therapy is amazing. Good trip. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is going to be the new thing, thing yeah. Well, there's going to be some a lot of experimental stuff. Yeah, like weird is. spas and shit that you can go, like, uh-huh. futuristically. We're going to make you 19. Well, even look at the, the, the concept of cryotherapy. Yeah, right. Like, just say. the concept yeah. of it is, yeah. is, like, what the hell? Like, you would just freeze for, like, three to five minutes? Yeah, but they then... just, now it's under the guise of, like, recovery. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, you know, getting young. But there's the, um, there's the, what is it, cool spa, you know, it's like, they're treating it like, a, no, come in and we'll wrap you in the cool spa blanket and it'll shrink your fat cells and you'll be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Crazy. There was a place I went to once at like in, infrared and cryo. It was like second Avenue and second street it was down there. Mm-hmm. And, uh. I was like, holy shit, this is kind of wild. You but know? you went to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah, Alchemist Kitchen? Right. Yeah, 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 that's it. And they have like the, like they sell the CBD and they have the coffee bar upstairs and everything. It was cool. I mean, it definitely made a difference, but. <clears throat> was it super, super cold? Like, were you like, this is unbearable? No, it's not like that. And you're moving a little bit too, mm. you know? So as long as you keep moving, it's like, and you know, my capacity for cold is Yeah, I would probably turn pretty high. Into a, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would turn into a. A nice sculpture and crack. Yeah, you'd be like like a minute and a half in there. You're like, yo, turn this fucking thing <laughs> off. I wouldn't do well. That's why I would never pursued it. I can't. I can't do the cold, man. The cold does not work for me. This is not in my genetic makeup. <laughs> I think everybody like has to have something. Like it's you know you have something that you believe in, something oh, yeah. that you go to that you know is going to be or you feel or believe is going to be good for you and. As long as you have that belief, I think it's, it's it keeps good. the battery yeah, charged. Yeah. Right? yeah, it keeps the battery charged. That's how I feel. Yeah. Just having something, anything you like doing, just mm-hmm. a hobby, and, and do as much of it as you can. Like always, try to get good at something. You know, even if try it. If you suck at it, who cares? Do yeah. something else. Yeah, just keep I trying. Think, I think know. a lot of people don't like the learning process. They don't want people to see them doing something while they're first trying it. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what I mean? The yeah. The vulnerability the, of... Yeah, yeah, exactly, the vulnerability. I was thinking about something like that recently. How often, as an adult, do you get stumped? Every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like daily operation. So, yeah, it's almost engaging. To, you'd rather do it for something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. than something that, you know, you're like, how am I going to figure figure this thing out? Well, as much as technology would have us believe that it takes a shorter amount of time to learn something, I don't believe that's necessarily true. Right. And our attention span has gone down. Right. So, it, yeah, I think we're we're kind of always bouncing up against it. I buy online classes. Like I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm really, I want to get into it. But, like, I'm, I've been stacking them up. You know, okay. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to have, like, that month and a half right. on an island with... Nothing else to do and a great Wi-Fi connection so I can take these classes. But, you know, but I'm so hopeful. It's that thing that keeps me going. I'm like, oh. That's true, right? I was looking up something that, uh, some of the stuff that you had had been doing, that documentary, since we were talking about the cyborgs and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. 
um, the documentary was it, uh, Alive? Or Alive Inside? Alive, what is it? Alive Inside. Alive Inside, yeah. And how music uh, just can trigger like memory and improve memory, was that? Yeah. Um, there was a, a doctor who was working with the elderly and working with Alzheimer's and dementia sufferers and realized through his time with them that there were certain things that could bring them back, mm-hmm. like to themselves. And I, he totally, I totally believe that that is a hundred percent. But as a doctor, imagine like coming out and saying sure. it's music. They're like, well, <laughs> what pharmaceutical company owns that? And how are we going to prescribe that? Right. You're right. a, you know, that really that's, oh, that's just hearsay. Mm-hmm. But the movie was a great documentation of real life accounts of it actually happening. Wow, amazing. Uh, and I mean, it, to me, it's one of the most important films I feel I've ever worked on just because to me, it kind of um, sums up why I've chosen to work within music because it, it, it heals. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got those qualities to it. Um, for the film, we came up with a promotion that was to make a list of three songs that would bring you back to life. Oh, that's amazing. If you ever, you know, lost your faculties. And then to send those songs to three friends that you would trust with your house keys. Oh, that's really cool. So you're already making the connection between music and... And your life source. And your life source and access and your keys. And, you know, as a promotion, that was just something that was thought-provoking enough to really bring home yeah. kind of the concept. That's a beautiful concept. I want to, like, re, you know, relaunch it or do do something with it just because I think... It's important, man. Yeah, just as a very simple something that makes sense, and it's like, that's something I could do. And sharing the, you know, getting songs from people, it's like, these are my three songs. It's like, oh, okay, I've got your three songs. I know that. Like, there's... There's bonding, there's, you know, there's energy that's exchanged. Yeah. 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 And it's important for people to see that. Yeah. Just because it kind of like, you know, if, even if you don't think like that, it definitely like will turn something on for you if you see that, you know? Exactly. I think the doctor's formula was where were you when you were 18 and mm. what year was it? Oh, wow. And kind of from that data, you can kind of extract a playlist. But that's so long ago. Well, you know, all you need is a year, and then you've got charts to mm-hmm. rely on. It's Man, like, if know. I was to pick three songs from when I was 18 that are supposed to bring me back to life, that would be kind of crazy. 89, man. I mean, come on. There was I some mean, amazing music. There was all sorts of stuff jumping off then. Yeah, that's a trip, man, to, to think that. like, If you had to pick a year... And pick three songs. Oh, not pick a year. If they pick the year and you have to pick three songs that will bring you back to life. If you were suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, yeah. if you were just not yourself, and these songs would be kind of the keys to bring you back. Sorry, I should have clarified that. Not like trauma. You get like shot or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need three songs three to bring songs. you back to life. Stop. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking like, well, it might be have to be some kind of... Uh, Drum, it's <laughs> a kind of incantation, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like. <laughs> oh man! But that's a trip, right? Yeah. It's like the first Dela album came out that year. So you know, it's like there's just stuff. It's like you think about it. You think about where you were, the impact that it had mm-hmm. at that 
time. It's like I'm sure like potholes in my lawn like mm-hmm. would bring me back from some nether world at some point. You know. That's true. Yeah. Crazy. Is this the documentary you yeah, worked on? Yeah, live inside and promote yeah, music awesome. therapy for Alzheimer's and dementia patients. That's our on that. Yeah. It was uh it came out I believe two thousand sixteen. Um, oh, how can we see it? It's online. Click yeah. on, on like uh, I believe it, it's on Netflix or Hulu, but oh, it's also awesome. on Amazon and YouTube. That's funny how music works like that, right? Yeah. I mean, I totally believe it. 100%. You know, just that's like firing off like signals in your brain. You're like, oh, that's right. I, I read something. I'm not exactly sure if this is true or not, but it does make sense. The only time your your whole brain is firing is when you're listening to music. I remember hearing something like that. I mean, it makes total sense. You know, to bring things in harmony. And once again, it's just, it's like frequency. It's again, frequency and frequency healing is something you can't prescribe. And it's not something that you can bottle. The pharmaceutical company yeah. doesn't own it. But, you know, frequency and energy are very real. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm all about the frequency yeah, healing, yeah. man. Yeah. I listen to that stuff all the time, sleeping, laying down, just like, just laying there with my eyes closed. When I had my eye surgery, that helped me so much, man. Warner Brothers just did a deal with a company that makes artificial intelligence-powered music to help you focus. So they made a six-album deal for some, like, $20 million. And it's AI music? Yeah, it's AI music. It generate You type in your keywords, and then it'll generate music based on the keywords that you want. And... They've put out a couple of sleep compilations, and you see how music works now. It's not an album on the shelf, but you'll see a sleep playlist on Spotify or on Apple Music, and you'd be surprised at how much play they actually get. Mm -hmm. So after the numbers come back that these sleep records that are generated by AI are a hit, it's like, Warner's like, hey, we want to do, we want to sign you to a deal to make, you know, some albums so that we can put okay. more content out there to stream. And, you know, for them, it's, it's, it's an artist because the product uh, yeah. is the same. They yeah. get a product, they, they can market that product. But it's just, you know, once again, the cyborg world. It's like it is. That's artists wild. out there looking for record deals, trying to get money to pay rent. And it's like, we're going to sign that algorithm. Yep. Sign me up. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's not even a real people, not even a real artist. I want to see that. It's crazy. Contract. That, <laughs> yeah, why is there Jack Daniels in the writer? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> what's, what's going on? Never will land in public domain. Because <laughs> this thing's going to be alive forever. Well, it came up with um, IBM and Watson because they had Watson that was beating people at Jeopardy and chess, and that was their AI, and then they had it make music. And it was the same thing. You could feed it keywords, and it would generate a completely original piece of music. An original based on its knowledge of everything that's come before it. So it could create a new algorithm merging all the styles? Yeah. Oh well, that's God. what the algorithm does. It just takes I mean, that's what people do then, anyway, because yeah. they study, but yeah, I guess we just can't compute it as hard as... AI would <laughs> and make sure it's completely original, like right. not influenced That's by, true. you know, it's like, how do you make a classic rock song not influenced by Zeppelin? Like, you know, it's like, it's just, yeah, exactly. you know, so there's going to be it. fake music artists and they're going to have holograms for them. It, even if they may not even do that, because once again, it's all streams. Well, we'll have to see something because it could sell like everything else, clothing, yeah. like, you know, all that stuff. 
First, they're going to take over the bedtime sleeping market demographic. People man. love that stuff, man. They love the sleeping yeah. stuff. I listen to that shit all the time. Even if I, I don't, I don't rely on it to put me to sleep because that's ridiculous. But I just like put it on while I'm trying to just wind down and I'll go to sleep. Okay. You know? I mean, lo-fi hip-hop has made a comeback just because of the YouTube channel. Now everyone has a lo-fi hip-hop okay. channel or playlist, and it's all instrumental and all boom-bap, and they call it study music. They would just wow. talk about it before you came in. <laughs> Every time when I'm working, that's all I want to hear is instrumental. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear anybody else's voice while I'm working. I'm working. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think more now than ever, people are into the instrumental thing. I'm not more in, more into it, just more receptive to it. Like other people, people that normally wouldn't have been or never really listened to it, listen to it now. And also, people have more access to it now. Mm-hmm. When before, you had to like like that stuff and buy it. But now you also discover it. On, you yeah. discover it because it's like something else or whatever suggested yeah. for you. Exactly. Yeah, the algorithms are strong. I think they the, really are. The best use of it is Spotify bought a company called the Echo Nest, which. I used to, you know, subscribe to their API before Spotify bought them, and they were a company like Gracenote or Rovio. So they were the company that would license the data so when you put a CD into your computer, the artist and the track listing would come up. Okay. Because remember, that wasn't a thing. Like, if you burnt a CD, it wouldn't always pop up. But they're, you know, through the codes, like, these companies had that data. So the Echoness was a company like that, but they had some very forward-thinking things you could do with their API. You could take a YouTube video and you could take out every fourth beat or you could tell it what beat to take out or you could, you know, you could manipulate the video with code, which to me was a really interesting way to think about DJing with video and remixing and dub okay. for, for visual. And Spotify ended up buying that company, and as they they bought that company, that feature went away. Like they don't want really? people to do that anymore. <laughs> but the power of that company was the algorithms, because basically it had a listening and a music analysis that allowed it to generate keywords and generate you know different okay. information that is all fed into all the Spotify songs now. So that's why the suggested songs for you, it's like. Generally, they're not bad. Like, it's hard to say, why would they suggest? It's like, it's, it's generally based on, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. what you've been looking at and listening to. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. And how crazy it's going to get. I think the worst application of the algorithms are the facial recognition that is now yeah, registering weird. women and non-white yeah. people as hostile. And potential criminals. Wait, hold on a minute. I missed that. So What's the, it doing? So facial recognition now, uh-huh. they, they did an experiment where they took a, a team photo. I forget what NBA team was, but it was the headshots, you know, just the smiling headshots of each member. Mm-hmm. And all of the white players were registered as happy and friendly, and all the black players were registered as threatening. Whoa. Oh. And that's just the facial recognition. And... You know, you, you kind That's of crazy. you kind of ask yourself, well, who's building that AI? And yeah. then that answer goes back to folks who are not necessarily representative of, mm-hmm. you know, women Damn. or non-whites. So the scary part about it is now 
um, Amazon, they, they actually have the technology and they license it to different companies. So now they're licensing it to retail stores so that they can do facial recognition to predict who might steal something. And if they steal something, then they use the facial recognition to basically... They can track you down like whenever, any yeah. any time. Yeah, they like bait you into shit, and then they ban you from the store. Like you walk into the store, yeah, and you can't you know, come in. Yeah, yeah. So and now they're using it at airports. Oh my! So God. it's like you see, oh. we're not ready for the technology we have mm-hmm. yet, and still it's like it's gonna reach this mass adoption. We're gonna wonder why these implicit biases are not going away. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're actually getting reinforced. Yeah, in code. Yeah, in code. Fuck, man. Well, look at... This shit um, is scary. That episode of uh, Black Mirror with the the likes and the social media. They're doing that in China. Oh, in China, that's right. You can't fly. You can't take a train. If you don't have a social rating of so much, you can't go to the airport. You can't take flights. You can't travel. What? You can't shop at certain places. You can't go certain places. You can't live certain places. Holy shit. And it makes sense. Those cities that are built out in the middle of nowhere, cities that are unpopulated, and you're like, oh, they were just... Just getting ready for it. Kick everybody out. It's like the Hudson Yards times like a million. And you can shop. Like you're qualified or you're rated enough to. Oh, you're like a super project. You're a three level. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like megaplex projects. Basically. So, yeah. We need to get some diversity representation up in the code. Time soon. So, I read. I just read that. Um. I don't know if it's Microsoft or Amazon, but someone is now trying to establish an ethics code to monitor AI usage. So there would be some humans who would be watchdogging the AI and saying, you know what, this is or this isn't working, which seems like a good step forward. But Mm -hmm. still, if you're going to have humans judge what the computer is already doing, like, why don't you just tell the computer not to do it? Like, it's just... Who was the company that recently, uh, I forgot who it was, they came out with the um, first like AI Twitter handle or the first AI, I forgot where, where, what it was from, but it was being fed info by, you know, the collective. And they said within like a half hour, people made that thing racist. It was like the first thing that happened. Uh, Facebook had their AI thing. That thing came up with its own language. Yeah. Unplug that shit. Mm, yeah. Unplug that shit. <laughs> Oh, man. There's another video of two AI robots talking to each other. They develop their own language and become this crazy, like, feedback. The, our language didn't... Like, didn't even have, came up yeah, with their own language. That's why I'm not going to take that cell regeneration pill. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see that shit. I don't plan on becoming a robot anytime soon. Yeah. I'm working on a... Um a new Netflix show that I'm excited about because one of my college friends and old roommates actually wrote it. And oh, wow. he's a really, really talented guy. He's produced The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and, you know, with uh, Trevor Noah. And Tim brought me in when they changed hosts, when Stewart left and Trevor okay. Noah came in. And it was interesting getting a call because Trevor didn't have any association with Dog on Fire, the Bob Mould song, which is the, you know, the title song. Yeah, it was just one of those things. And they're like, well, he doesn't have any real association to it, so he kind of wants to change it, but we've been building this brand for like 12 years, so we don't 
want to change it, so we want to do something to it. So we ended up working with different uh, producers to, to remix the theme. So the theme that you hear now is remixed by Timbaland. It's really? it's Dog on Fire <laughs> remixed by Timbaland. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Just just so people who are listening know, you're a music supervisor. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a you know a misconception that it's all choosing and you know just playing with music and there are some supervisors for which you know that they've made it their job and that's that's kind of the level on which they operate and there are different jobs at the end of the day the supervisor is responsible for your music deliverables and that is a notebook full of all of the signed agreements and the cue sheets that are relevant to all the music that are in your film you know so at the end of the day, it does come down to a lot of paperwork. Yeah. So okay. each song you have, um, well, a director or producer will hire me because they are trying to establish tone or music or sound for their film. And they may, or a television project or media project, and they might have music written into the script and wonder, you know, well, we need this to shoot. Like in um, this new Netflix show called Living With Yourself, The Husband and Wife in the last episode, they danced to the song that was their wedding song. But before production, we have to figure out what that song's going to be. Mm. You know, so we can get the choreographer in and they can rehearse it. So on the day that we're shooting that last episode, they can... All the ducks are in the row. Exactly, mm -hmm. because you don't want to shoot to a song that you don't have cleared. Right. Uh, I heard a story about a producer who made a film called Love and Happiness about a down-and-out musician... And, you know, the musician sang the song in the film and the director and the producer thought it would be a good idea to shoot it and then go to Al Green and ask for permission. And Al said, I would have asked, I would have probably let you do it if you hadn't gone ahead and done it already. Oh, man. <laughs> so that entire film all of a sudden is a wash. You can't take those songs out as part of the characters, what they did on title of the film so you, that is a good example of why you would need a music supervisor or somebody right. to come in and say hey that song is going to actually cost you forty thousand dollars and you know that before you go into production so either you're going to pay it or you're not mm -hmm. so if you can pay for it great you can shoot it on camera but if you can't pay for it know that you may be able to shoot it but you may not be able to put it in your final so shoot something else as well Mm. So the job of the music supervisor is to um, help, and with the director, I help the director uh, translate their vision into music. And with the producer, I help the film and the music stay on budget and on schedule. So there are these different moving parts and mechanisms that all need to fit together somehow to make sure we're not spending too much, everything is signed in, in on time, and then the director is happy because it's actually, you know, working to enhance the narrative. They can use said music. Exactly. We'll balance out the licensed songs with a composer who'll do the original score. So it's good because you'll have kind of point and counterpoint and you can yeah. use, utilize the composer to develop these themes, you know, that play under that really help to establish the pacing mm -hmm. of the show or the film. Do you ever have any liberties of, uh, if it's something that they already have an idea for, do they ever leave any of that in your hands and maybe say we need kind of something that sounds in the vein of this? 
Yeah. Because, like, you know, people don't describe music the same way that music Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, So they're like, we need something that's kind of like upbeat and I'm thinking the color yellow. Yeah. And the supervisor's, <laughs> the supervisor's job is literally to translate that into music. And that's where, you know, metadata and tagging has become kind of boring talk, but it's those keywords that I need to extract from a director or producer from a project so that I can make the best link to the best music. What do you think one of your best placements that you had to make a call on was? One of the best placements I had to make a call on, the main title of Queen Latifah's Beauty Shop is the song Don't You, like as in Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hot Like Me. But that song was originally written for well it was written by CeeLo and it was written for his hairdresser Tori and the <laughs> okay. version that's in Queen Latifah's beauty shop is Tori's version and it was before Doug Morris heard the song and said hey I've got this new group called the Pussycat Dolls and that song would be great for them so for me it's like those interesting kind of placements that it's like I remember going to Latifah and Shakim and I was like no this is the song this is okay. the song. We need to do a soundtrack. We need to build stuff around. This song is, yeah. this is the song. We've got a beauty shop and it's yeah, don't you and yeah. this whole thing. I was in LA working on the movie at the time and Felly Fell actually leaked it on the radio. And as a supervisor, I have to put on, you know, my DJ gloves and mm -hmm. start digging. Like I called the station. Like I found out who it was. It was this guy named Charlie Brown who flew from Atlanta to basically play the song and leak it. And in order to get to Charlie Brown, I literally had to go through like Fred Flintstone and Chuckles and Stabby and whoever else who led me to Michael Jackson, who's like, yeah, this is Michael Jackson. I'm like, so I'm calling about this song, don't you? And he's like, oh, you heard that. And there's no deal. The song wasn't out. There, this is pre-Spotify, pre, you know, it's like <laughs> these mechanisms weren't around yet. So for me... Being able to hear that song, match it with what I knew they were trying to accomplish through the vision of that film and put those two things together, like I, I had never been more sure of a match in my life. But as a supervisor, that doesn't necessarily mean that the song's going to make it. It's going to make it onto yeah. the... Yeah, depending on the level of film you're working on, independent might have a producer and a director, but a studio film will have a studio. A television show has the production team, the network, and the studio. And it goes up and down all of those lines and comes back how it comes back. So I've also had to learn not to get too precious about anything because I can be completely sure that this is the right thing and be shut down. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, my job is to deliver that paperwork. Right. So, you know, when, when I can get in there, yeah. when I can get in there with some creative suggestions, like, it's great. That's what I love to do as a DJ, spreading music to people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, chances are um, there are going to be a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Yeah. You know, um, I just finished season two of a Showtime show called The Shy, and I'm completely grateful that the the notorious big estate allowed us to license a biggie song for a television show you don't hear biggie songs in tv shows mm -hmm. right why well same reason you don't hear beatles songs in tv shows 
you, yeah. at the rate you're moving and the budget you're working with, it's just out of the price range. Yeah. Legacy songs, legacy right. artists, that's just not an option. I thought he was pulling like a David Byrne or something. He's like, no, that's no, not, it's cool. Well, you know, it's like... You We're know, doing all right on our own. We yeah. don't need to... But no, that's what happens because, you know, your average rate for a television might be a third of that for, you know, for a feature film. And then for a legacy artist, then you'd be multiplying that market rate by, you know, three, four or five times. I'm just finishing a documentary um, on Bill Wyman uh, from the oh, Rolling wow. Stones. And, I mean, you know, talk about different musicians all over the place and different songs and, and things you're trying to wrangle. It's like, it, it really pays to have a supervisor to come in, to work with you, to kind of have a strategy, to map it out, to know how much money you have and figure out whether or not you can fit these songs into it. Mm. So for a documentary, you can usually go, it's a documentary. You know, it's not episodic television. We're not playing in theaters. Right. And for Bill, he kept a journal every day of his 31 years with the Stones. Every day. Wow. That's amazing. His collection, his memory, his archives are absolutely incredible. So in a situation like that, you know, for me, when Bill wants to use certain songs to tell his story, it's my job to go out and do the blocking for that. When he wants to use 22 Rolling Stones songs and Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf and Chuck Berry and Ray Charles, I have to figure out, based on the budget they have and the time they have, what is the strategy so that we can get all these songs in. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to be able to play an ego game about, no, we've got to get more in this person. We've got to get more. In, no, well, we've got to get the most of anyone. And the thing that helped was because Bill's a member of the Rolling Stones, you know, we were able to set like a median with the Stones music and then tell people that, you know, you were getting as much as they were. But that is the strategy we needed to, you know, go in on in the beginning so that the documentary could actually take shape so it could complete itself. Me and Isha will be at home watching TV and, you know, like some song will come on and we both look at each other like, I wonder how much they paying to get that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I totally think about all that. Isha knows, really? yeah. Isha, she's got the front row seat, you know. And, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a real business. You know, there's real, real legacy, real generational wealth. Definitely. It can be gained from people who manage their copyrights. And they said Prince and David Bowie were crazy for promoting owning your own masters. Right. Like, it's like, right. oh, wow, what do, what do you mean? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so little education. So many independent <laughs> artists don't register their work. They don't know why they should. They, they think signing up with ASCAP or BMI is selling their publishing. And, you know, it's just it's misinformation. And mm -hmm. you can go to music school to learn to play an instrument. And by playing that instrument and practicing with your band, you can learn to play live and you can tour around, but you're missing out on the rest of the pie. Yeah. Because for every song that gets licensed, every time it plays on television or theatrical screens anywhere in the world except the U.S., you accumulate royalties. So if your song's not registered, you're not getting those royalties, which is money for work that you've already done. And now since it's in the hands of the artist... And how many artists are just not even paying attention to that? No clue. It's sad. Because there can be a sustainable living made making music. There's a, a nonprofit and lobbyist organization in D.C. called the Future of Music Coalition. 
and every year they put out um, they put out yearly earnings, and they've been doing it for twelve years with an artist named Zoe Keating, who's an amazing cellist and producer, and she's actually volunteered her earnings so people can just see like what a working musician with albums out makes. You know, who's not a name brand? And it's amazing. I ran into her at an airport a couple of weeks ago. And I was like starstruck. I was like, <laughs> no way. And she's like, you know who I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting because the Future of Music Coalition um, publishes a list of 48 independent revenue streams that are available to musicians. And, you know, most musicians may be on one or two, maybe. Well, a good example of that is like you can register your work with ASCAP or BMI, but a lot of musicians aren't registered with Sound Exchange, which actually pay, pays you royalties, not if you wrote on something, but if you played on something. But a lot of folks just don't even know that that exists as a separate stream of revenue that you can collect if you're playing and you didn't write on write something. I'm coming for you, Bill. I played on a lot of your stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> Work for hire. <laughs> I got my own label on the shady guy now. <laughs>